This is 15 Minutes to Freedom. I'm your host, Ryan Idell, and today, live from Costa Rica with the Director of Breathwork for Rhythmia Life Advancement Center, I have Christian with me. Hello, how you doing? I am wonderful and, and better <laughs> for getting to be here now for two or three days. Yeah, excellent. Well, was glad to have you. Yeah, yeah. Christian, I got to start, oddly enough, not with Rhythmia. Like, I'm incredibly fascinated about the pre-Rhythmia Christian, right? Because <laughs> Director of Breathwork is this little piece of who you are, but there's this whole 10, 15, 20-year catalog prior to right now of really what makes you, you. You mind touching base a little bit on that and sharing what that means? Sure. That, you know, that could be an extremely long conversation, starting with uh, my youth and really just me having this seeking bug and not taking what everybody was telling me for granted and, and always seeing that there was something behind it, something behind the, the mechanisms of life. But uh, fast forwarding, that eventually got me on a spiritual path, and that spiritual path had um, a a monastic order to it and that was the pinnacle of the the whole expression of spirituality from from this past perspective and I got deeper and deeper into it and I I uh, chose to apply and join the monastic order which I did for 10 years and this was a this was a yogic order uh, meaning um, espousing the philosophy of yoga not just the postural uh, you know postures that we know today, but the whole, there's a huge um, body of work uh, that is the esoteric philosophy and practice of yoga, which meditation is pretty much the, the foundation of. So we did, did a lot of meditating with uh, Kriya Yoga technique, um, on average of about four and a half hours each day. And I think that really, that really helped prepare me to be a, a breathwork trainer and, and facilitator in the distant future because those meditation techniques were actually modified breathing techniques. We, we manipulated the breath in a way to send energy up and down the spine so that, uh, you know, creating the effects that the meditation was supposed to do. But we had always focused on it as the life force energy that we were working with. So it wasn't until I actually became uh, a breathwork trainer that I, I sort of put two and two together and said, hey, all those meditation techniques were really breathing techniques. And, and that got me even more excited about the, the breath as a, a foundational vehicle for helping people uh, uh, transform their consciousness. I love that. I mean, there's so much, like I'm literally incredibly fascinated, right? My, the show, Christian, I wouldn't expect for you to know about it, but we cover everything. I believe that life is a four-dimensional reality, right? Mm. And not the 4D sense like we would discuss, but body being balance and business. Mm. And one of my daily rituals or practices, not only for myself, but also for clients that I help out is to establish a meditative practice, right? For the, the centering, the life force, right? A, a, you know, Joe Dispenza was really the guy that kind of turned me on to at least my understanding of breathing with that intention of pulling the energy up through the really the chakras and putting out through the crown and right, the source right. and what that looks like. If you were to share, and this might put you on the spot too much, but a quick breathing technique, right? That someone's listening that they could try for themselves, whether we call it meditative or breath work or, or however you want to classify that. Right. I think it's a fascinating thing because there's one of the running things in the background for most of my clients. Is I don't know how to meditate, right? Like I'm doing it wrong. Is this right? And there's, you, you probably know more ways to meditate than I could have possibly forgotten. Well, you know, in the, in the end, there's really just one way to meditate, and that's to still the body, still the mind, and, and go within. Mm -hmm. 
you know, cha uh, change the direction of the searchlight of the senses, so to speak, and have them point inward, and uh, you, you know, you focus on your inner reality. Uh, but that being said, that uh, there's a lot of people out there who have a very difficult time staying completely still with a straight spine and keeping their mind focused and riveted on the spiritual eye and not wandering off into other thoughts and and fantasies. And so breath work is a real powerful tool for just that bringing about many of the same effects that meditation can bring about, but being a little more lenient in posture and lenient in, in having to still or quell the mind. You pretty much, in breath work, you, you can be sitting in a chair, you can be lying back. Ideally, you're lying down, maybe at a 45 degree angle, a little propped up. And you don't have to worry about what's going on in your mind. You just let it be there. Focus primarily on the breathing. And the, the, technique, in, uh, the technique that I teach in a nutshell uh, comes down to three components. And I use three words to, to help jog the memory on those components. And that's full, free, and flow. So we want a full breath, meaning from, from the bottom of your respiratory capacity all the way up to the top. A free breath, meaning nice and relaxed, easeful and graceful, and a, a fluid breath, a flowing breath, meaning that it stays connected and, and in motion the whole time, meaning there's not any pausing, especially in between the inhaling and the exhaling. So to do this, um, of course, we get into more of the fine details and, and uh, you know, when, when I conduct people through a session, which usually lasts about an hour, uh, more or less, uh, but if people want to do a breathing technique that you can start to practice at home, you can model this same technique but do it for just about five minutes. So uh, we recommend for the full breath to breathe in through the mouth and at a slightly faster pace. So it's going to be something like... So the breath is in through the mouth and out through the mouth. The inhale goes from your belly all the way up into your chest. The exhale is nice and relaxed. So again, keeping that free freedom of, of um, movement. And then the, the flow, if you could hear in my example, I wasn't putting any pausing in between the inhale and the exhale. As soon as I'm finished inhaling, I immediately uh, engage the exhale. As soon as the exhale just comes out, I'm immediately inhaling again. And do that, do that for about five minutes. We call that the 100 breaths to joy. Uh, and uh, because it takes about 100, 100 breaths, breathing one, two, takes about five minutes. So a five-minute session is 100 breaths to joy. If you're really cooking with it, I, I'd say extend it to 10 minutes, maybe 15. I wouldn't go much further than 15 minutes on your own right in the beginning, only because uh, things can start to happen. You can start to get interesting physical sensations and interesting emotional experiences start to occur. And this is, this is really what the breath work is, is meant for, is to dredge up old stagnant energies in your system, bring them to the surface and help integrate them or release that energy. And, but in that process, that energy bubbles to the surface and we're, we're temporarily in, in that old energy. So if it was a trauma you experienced or something you know, sad or fearful or, or anxious, that energy may be with you 
as it bubbles up to the surface. And if you're not trained to understand that that's perfectly okay and how to move through it, you might get a little freaked out and, and want to quit the whole process, which is the last thing I want people to do. And of course, that's such a beautiful segue into right, plant-based medicine, right? Rhythmia is obviously known for ayahuasca, but I feel like you're touching base on the similarity between the breath work that you teach, right? Which is how admittedly we start Sunday, right? That's, you know, you, you come here, you get checked into the resort and I've, I've recorded all this. So everybody kind of knows the rundown. And the first thing to do is a breathwork class with you right, right. at 6 p.m. And then as your experience on, on the plant-based medicine comes to a conclusion on the backside of the week, the last two days, right, being Friday, Saturday. Friday, Saturday, yep. Or there's breath also work as additional well. breathwork classes. Getting rid of that last piece of, maybe not last, right, but uh, certainly more pieces of the negative energy and emotion that we mm -hmm. kept bottled up inside mm -hmm. of us. Yeah, Rhythmia is unique in that it's uh, the only place I know that puts breathwork on such a high, uh, you know, gives it such a high pedestal uh, in the whole program. <clears throat> Other places might have breathwork as a menu item, sort of like, you know, you can get the facial or you can get the, the stone massage or you can get breathwork and, and, and it's an add-on. But breath and plant medicine really are two very powerful consciousness transformational tools. In fact, I say that both breath and the plant medicine are like keys that open up the door to your consciousness. The difference is that the breath opens that door and smiles and gently beckons you in, and uh, the plant medicine opens that door, and when you're not looking, it kicks you in, closes that door, and then might even shake up the room a little bit, and doesn't let you out until it decides to let you out. So it really, the program here at Rhythmia is really nicely designed because that breathwork starts the week, so you get a little bit of taste of what is to come with the plant medicine, but still with that safety mechanism of, of it being a little bit gentler and you're not like in it for until the medicine wears off, right? And then you go through the, the medicine journeys through the week and the breath actually then becomes a tool to help you on that, on that journey. If you hit any rough patches or go through any things that are uh, you know, a little darker periods in, in your journey, the breath can really help to, to ease you through all that. And then at the end of the week, if there's any rough edges, things that still haven't been completely uh, come to conclusion with the plant medicine, the breath work helps to, to bring that to an end. And then it starts to help people recognize that they've got a tool within them that can keep this consciousness expansion alive even after they leave the hallowed halls of Rhythmia, you know. Um, and this is really what I teach and what I'm passionate about is that people go home feeling self-empowered, feeling that they've got this, this tool that, um, that can take them to higher levels of, of awareness and consciousness. Absolutely. It's, it's so beautiful to hear you say that, like that tool, because it's as much as like this is an experience, the plant-based medicine is certainly something that is to be experienced by everybody. I can't imagine anybody not getting a, a value and a benefit out of this. But in my mind, sure, I know it's going to last forever, right? Like it, there's in, transformative changes. But at some point, it's almost like I have to fly back to Costa Rica to plug back into that, to that source where the breath work, it's really anywhere, anytime, as long as you can dedicate the time and space and clear your mind enough to use it. That's right. In fact, I'd say anywhere that you can breathe, you can be practicing breath work, which is pretty much anywhere except for underwater. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's so great. So Christian, prior to coming to, to Rhythmia, 
had you had experience with ayahuasca plant-based medicine before i mean you said you, you've questioned everything your entire life and right now i didn't start down the psilocybin route the mushroom route until i was 33 34 right so it's yeah. only been this very sliver of, of a window of time well my i've taken a very circuit Intuitous route through life and spirituality and, and conscious exploration. Uh, and in a way, in, in my early days, even before I became a monk and got on a spiritual path, I had an awakening experience with psychedelic medicines that, that opened my understanding up to, to feel that there was a God or, or a universal force that was benevolent and that was you know, working for my good. And that got me actually started on the spiritual path, which led to me becoming a monk. And then I uh, let go, you know, as a monk, especially in a yogic order, it's very much about renouncing. So we let go of our desires. Um, we, we don't engage in, in things that alter your consciousness or stimulants, not even coffee, you know. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, then coming out of that, uh, I had this, you know, new perspective on on life and what it meant to live a, a spiritual existence. And then ayahuasca came into my realm, probably I'd say six years after, you know, I left the the monastic life, and uh, that was the first time I tried it, and it like blew my socks off, and and it was a, a pretty intense experience, and I didn't get around to trying it again for another two years, and. Uh, that, you know, I had that experience, which again was a pretty intense experience. And so I didn't do it again for another two years when I end up arriving at Rhythmia. And, and since then I've probably done, I'm, I think I just passed the 40 mark as far as 40 ceremonies over 40 the time. Yeah. Good for you. And the, the, mo the majority of them other than those two in the last year and a half, basically. So, so number, I mean, obviously you, you're not going to, I shouldn't say you're not going to remember, but we're talking first ayahuasca ceremony versus number 40. Mm. Other than maybe the control or what, the, the comfort level, what's the difference for you? Well, the difference, you know, looking at it in hindsight, I definitely would have uh, subscribed to going to a place like Rhythmia, except it didn't exist at that time, uh, to, to start off. Because you're, um, you know, one, uh, if you're doing it in a country like the United States, for instance, where it's actually illegal, uh, there's, there's just this added background noise of, of sort of anxiousness about, you know, is this the cops going to bust in at any moment and, and haul us all away or, or what's going to happen. And, um, you, you know, the, the comfort here, the, the support, the, the security, I think that is the biggest thing because it's it essentially is a medical hospital on paper. Uh, we have a ICU unit, we have 24 seven doctors and nurses and psychological staff. Uh, all this is, is, rarely used and, and never been used for, you know, anything, any kind of major crisis up to this point, but it's there if anything should happen. And that, that gives most people, uh, just a you know, sense of being able to relax and then focus on their inner demons, which is really what you're here for to, to expunge all those and to, to get a new lease and understanding on life. Um, so, so looking back, that's probably what I would do is, is look for a place that's a little more, you know, built to, to give that experience. And then I would have felt a little more comfortable. Which makes perfect sense. And obviously I'm, I'm not a 
I'm not an employee of Rhythmia, but coming here, like it's not even taking Christian's word for it. Like every variable has been so well thought out. I mean, I think we're close to, you know, the 5,000 people through the doors mm-hmm. here since, since it's opened. And yeah. so every, I was laughing with Christian before the interview, we're kept very busy <laughs> with intentionality, right? Everything is building on top of each other. It's not, you don't come down and, and kick your feet back up by the pool and, and sip a Mai Tai as you wait, you know, to jump in an ayahuasca yeah. experience. It's, there's just ways and means that everything are conducted where you feel safe. Like you feel swaddled. Like there's no, I don't know that, like you said, getting the medical side of things. I mean, you're part of even a more advanced medical procedure is the wrong word, but mm. right. Nova cell and what right. that looks like, which I'm incredibly fascinated about because mm-hmm. it's cutting edge stem cell research. It also in the U S right now is just right it's not coming around anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of red tape to get through before our stem cell therapies will make it to the U S yeah. But that's, you know, another thing that Rhythmia offers that I've been privileged to, to be a part of. And, uh, I think it really is a revolution in the, the medical industry and is only going to get more substantial, you know, more evidence based, uh, uh, research, uh, behind it so that it, it really, you know, so there's no question and then the U.S. will have to do it. But until then, there's, there's a few countries out there that are still willing to, to do it um, while the FDA twiddles its thumbs, maybe, and uh, Costa Rica is one of them. Yeah, and it's beautiful. I mean, we walked through the, the presentation. I was just curious, even prior to the conversation, right, getting to know you a little bit better, and all the, like, the different types of stem cell and the, this is embryonic and the different, you know, millions of units that you can take and how all those work and stack up. And then you actually had the procedure injection drip, however we want to say it mm-hmm. in January. Is that right? Yes. Of this year? Yeah. I had the, I had the procedure in January and yeah. And just to be clear, we don't use embryonic stem cells. Those are, My you know, that, that, that's yeah. uh, the, uh, but those are one of a class of many different classes of stem cells. But what we use is what's called mesenchymal stem cells. Some people will call them mesenchymal, um, but uh, MSCs for short. And they're really, uh, they're, they're cells that have been in the research as to what really works in the therapeutic type of use of uh, these have been shown to be the, the kind of stem cells that have the most efficacy for, for, uh, promoting health and, you know, that cutting edge or that, that extra edge in your physical and mental prowess and, and sustaining your, your longevity as well as bringing more youth to the, to the body and being. Yeah, and I'm, I'm fascinated, too, to learn they're actually harvested, derived. They come from the U.S., right? There's mm-hmm. this whole process to get them from the United States to here, which was, like, out of all the things that we cover, for some reason, that's just been the most fascinating. I'd love for you to share yeah. how that part works. Sure. Well, the cells are that come originally from uh, umbilical cord blood. So these days, in it's a standard procedure that when a woman goes to give birth, that they're asked if they want to bank their umbilical cord um, because they know that it's full of stem cells and um, maybe in 30 or 40 years the child might need that the stem cells for for some kind of therapy or repair if you've gotten in an accident and um, broken bones or got scars it, uh, you know it um, those stem cells are, are really powerful for for healing uh, anyway if you don't if they don't um, bank them themselves. They're asked if they'll donate them. And if they do donate those cells, then we collect them or they're collected. They're 
put through rigorous testing processes so they're, you know, so that the ones are screened out that might have any uh, uh, disease or, or, or disorders kind of associated with them. So by the end, one in 10 to 20 batches makes it to, to become stem cells that can be utilized in a therapeutic process. And then those have to be cryogenically frozen at, at like minus 80 degrees. Uh, I can't remember that Celsius or Fahrenheit, but super cold temperature that, that keeps them preserved. And when they're shipped to us, we even have to keep them. You have to keep them at that cryogenic uh, temperature. There's even a special sort of like a ice chest with a GPS tracker and, uh, and a thermometer in there. So we can track all along the way that they stay frozen at the temperature they're supposed to when we receive them uh, because we want to thaw them out just before the procedure happens so that you know they stand the best chance of, of living and getting into the, the patient. It's, it's so incredible the advancements that have happened in, in science, right? And longevity and repair and tissue repair. And it, it's, it's fascinating because as you are listening to this, there's going to be, you know, pictures and things of, of Christian, you'll be able to look on social media and see, <laughs> see who he is. Like, I, I feel like Christian took this in, in January and he somehow picked up some of the Benjamin, Benjamin Button. Right? Like, <laughs> you're, you're incredibly youthful looking, but you've, oh, you've been around the sun more than my 35 times. <laughs> you've got a, a couple of rotations on me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm 51 now, so it, it definitely, it's definitely a good age to be start thinking about, um, you know, how to promote the longevity in life. And of course, you know, I'm, a, I'm a, a proponent of natural and healthy ways, you know, keeping yourself healthy with nutrition, with hydration, with proper oxygenation, sunshine and exercise are, are, are to me the foundations. But then uh, the stem cells are what, uh, like I call a biohack, which is really taking how the system naturally works and learning how to enhance the natural flow of the system versus doing something like well normally uh, like like modern science tends to do is see a system that's not working right and then overlay it with something that tries to tries to make it do something else which you know isn't always in harmony with the the actual flow of the system and then you get side effects which are really just effects that you don't want and uh so um and that's because uh, you know that that process is is out of harmony with the natural flow of things so if you can find a process that not only you know, you know boosts the vitality but actually boosts the the body's natural ability to to maintain and sustain that vitality then then we're really talking and that's what the stem cells do well, and well, your whole lifestyle has done that. You shared with us that, again, you're 51 years old, I'll say, on the outside, right? But the internal, how did you describe that yesterday? Like you, you, you the, had Yeah, I went to, uh, you know, now in the hospitals when you go to get your physicals, and most, most insurance will give you an annual physical for free or discounted, and you go in, and, and the hospitals will, will put you through a, a number of tests, and um, this particular one gave a readout at the end and said, you know, you, you're you're uh, chronological age is 51, but your biological age is more like 38, which is is to say that the way that my systems are running, the heart's pounding, the you, you know the um, the clogging of the arteries and and all that kind of stuff are uh, of you know of the state of somebody who's more normally 38 years old. 
Now that same thing can happen on the, the reverse side too. And I think that's where, where a lot of people are realizing they might be 50 years old, but because they've been, uh, you know, not exercising, eating poorly, all this kind of stuff that their, their bodies are showing signs of being more like a 60 year old or 65 year old or something. And, and so, um, Fortunately, that can be reversed in a large degree by, by again, getting, getting into healthy habits and then doing things like uh, the biohacks, like stem cells, breath work, ayahuasca. Yeah. I say, Christian, I think if I had my test done, which now I'm going to have to certainly do when I get home, I'm super curious about this. I think my numbers are going to be inverted, right? I'm 35, and I think it's going to show that I'm 51 from all the, <laughs> all the nonsense I've done to myself in my 20s and early 30s. So. Yeah. Fortunately, it's not too late for me to start turning back the clock a little bit there. Right. right uh, hopefully, I'm not. You know, well, you look youthful and robust, so I think uh, <laughs> I don't think you have too much to worry about. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. I'm sure. <laughs> so, Christian, I'm curious as to how you came to be at Rhythmia, right? Like you, you had the. I mean, I have so many questions about the monk side of your life as well, right? The, the fact of were you able to, you know, be married? Were you able to be in relationships? Mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking Tibetan monks, right? You're walking around in orange yeah, robes. Right. You have a shaved head and you know, the vows of silence, like that, it's literally a fascination for me. I don't want to spend all of our time there, but right. between that and then getting into, you know, where we sit in Costa Rica and being mm-hmm. right, the director of part of the, the resort now, there's, there's all, there's steps, right? There, there's things that had to have happened. Yeah. Well, the, you know, it, it, the main thing that happened was a lot of hours spent with my butt in the seat, you know, butt in the seat, spine straight, gaze to the spiritual eye and and focused on that internal game of of consciousness elevation and you know self realization and so uh doing that develops the habits uh, of you know what i call the the habits of highly spiritual people and you know the there are a few daily uh habits that we would do that that kept the mind focused, kept the body resilient, and, uh, and awakened the soul, essentially. So that, um, you know, that got me, when I, when I left the order and went into the field of breathwork, it, it was partly by accident, you know, a happy accident, as they say, partly, partly by divine ordination, as it, it seemed like the the breath was the perfect tool to pick up where I left off in, in the monastic life without the religious overlay. The breath really was was the kernel, like I said, the the, the foundation or um, of of the meditation techniques that we've been practicing. And now I could express that to a larger audience who might be turned off by the concept of God or the concept of religion or, or this or that, but still understood inside them that there was a spirit, that there, you know, there was something greater. And by working with their breath, uh, you know, the breath is innocuous. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not there to hurt you in any way. And by wor- working it and then starting to expand their awareness and have these interesting experiences, um, w- was right up my alley, and really, I felt like that 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 was part of my divine mission. You know, I left the the order for a number of personal things to to work on and overcome, but part of my you know part of what I learned inside the ashram was life is primarily service oriented, and so whatever I would be doing from that point forward would have that element of service in, in it, and uh, the breath work. Uh, did that for me 
And then <clears throat> coming to Rhythmia, you know, <clears throat> like I mentioned earlier, Rhythmia was, is one of the only places that holds breathwork as you know, the, the pinnacle experience only, well, I wouldn't say even below ayahuasca or plant medicine, but right next to it. Their, their breath, breath and, and plant medicine were what uh, Jerry, our CEO, got the download would be the, the shortcuts to um, consciousness elevation. And, that, and so uh, it, it was a complete natural fit. And I have to say the you know, the world of breath work is a pretty small slice of the larger pie of, of, you know, endeavors out there. And to have a place like this, um, again, partly by just, uh, divine ordination and partly by being in the right place at the right time. Uh, I was asked to come substitute down here at Rhythmia or the, the person who used to be the breath work, uh, director was uh, had a little accident and was out for a few weeks and so i subbed for that time and and this was really at the early stages of rhythmia just getting getting going and at the end of the week i i said you know this is a great environment i'd love to come back and sub again sometime when you if you need that ever and and jerry our ceo said hey you want a job <laughs> and i said let me think about it yes yes i'll take that job and yeah, that was back in early 2017? Yeah, that, that happened in uh, March of 2017. And then it took a few months to work out all the details and get and, and actually be available. And I started, started working at Rhythmia full-time November 8th of 2017. So it's been a year and a half plus a little bit. So what would you say for, uh, you know, I'm, I'm assuming many of the listeners have not yet ventured into Costa Rica, right? And if you were to quantify or classify the biggest differences between, you know, United States living, California living, whatever it would be, and coming down to Costa Rica, what would that be? And do you, do you get a chance to leave the resort much? I mean, do you, do you physically <laughs> live here on the resort? Like we're touching yes. base to, to run something like this. We all take for granted the mental energy and space you have to hold because you're really propping up 60 of us. Like everybody right, sees right. in conversation. Mm -hmm. you're, they're taking energy from you and there's things there. Well, the running joke is Jerry says, you know, he invited me down here. He said, hey, there'd be, you know, it's a party. There's women. There's this and that. You'll, it'll be great for you. And I get here and it's, it's more like living in an ashram or a monastery than any other endeavor other than living in a, a monastery or ashram. There's a lot of similar elements. And the biggest element is that, yeah, I'm here almost 24-7, you know, live here, work here, eat here. Uh, so uh, getting outside is, uh, is necessary, but it doesn't happen so frequently. And to, to answer that question about what's, the, what's really the difference between you know, my home in Costa Rica or the, you know, the United States and Costa Rica would be, I'd say, creature comforts. <laughs> yes. That's the... That's the, the biggest difference. Costa Rica is very basic and very, and again, maybe this is where uh, God played some kind of trick on me because it's like, oh, you left the monastic order, but we're going to put you back in that same sort of deal. And, uh, you know, the difference between, the difference being when I was a monk, I, I was doing it by choice. And, and now that I'm here, I'm doing it because there's nothing else <laughs> around to do, basically. So, of course. so Rhythmia is it for, for other than, of course, uh, you know, I mean, what Costa Rica has to offer is amazingly beautiful environments, the beaches, the jungles, the rainforest. 
uh, it's it's incredibly uh, pristine and and a natural environment. So, uh, and that's what as monks we you know, we renounced our possessions. We renounced all all the the comforts of life um, and and you know those were the things of real value the 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 environment the beauty of a sunrise um, fresh air that kind of thing what well, it's, it's beautiful and even the way that the costa rican culture lives right and kind of enjoying life first and putting some of the call what feels like monetary necessities off to the side right just such a different culture here yeah even with, with the staff and the friendliness and and the way just everybody is it's like very right. it's just so different they call it the Pura Vida vibe, which is basically Pura Vida is, is an expression used all over Costa Rica, but basically translates to mean pure life, Pura Vida. Uh, but, you know, it's like, hey, how are you doing? Pura Vida. Or, you know, you know hello, Pura Vida. Or, or, you know, I'll see you later, Pura Vida. And, uh, but it's one of those things that, you know, subtly affects the the background of your your subconscious and and it's like yes you you're saying this affirmation over and over that that life is good life is pure and um and there's really not anything to worry about even if you don't have all those creature comforts well and that was one of the things that came to me during the ceremony last night is how many almost how backwards that i've had it right you need all these things like the accumulation of where it's like this soul's regression, if you will, where I can just feel myself like laying under the stars in a warm field somewhere saying like, this is, this is all this really is. Like all this stuff doesn't really much matter. Right. Well, and that's what we learn and learn as a monk, you know, that are, um, what really matters. It, it's not, it's not bad to have desires. It's not bad to have stuff, you know, but to have attachment to stuff to if if your stuff all of a sudden disappears or gets burned down or you know you're separated from it and you can't get it back it, you know that's where it's like pura vida you know it's like go to the beach and and sit out under the sun and and enjoy the waves lapping on you versus pining away at that your nintendo gets stolen or is not functioning properly or something you know of course so Christian, if there were, if, if there's something you wanted the listeners to take away, right, whether it's breath work, whether it's coming to Rhythmia, right, just something to put a bow on this, if you will. Right? Well, I would say that I would truly encourage everyone to look for a way to experience breath work. And if I may give my website, I got um, breathflow.com, B-R-E-A-T-H-F as in fabulous, L-O-W.com. Uh, we'll, we'll start you on that journey. Uh, and you know you, you can can connect with me or try to find facilitators, other people in your area to to experience breathwork because it it's so hard. It's like telling people what an orange tastes like before they've ever eaten an orange. You can describe it to the nth degree, and and until they actually take that bite, are they going to know what it is? And it's the same way with breathwork. It's even harder because people go. Typically, they'll say, well, I breathe, you know, I know how to breathe. Uh, I've been breathing all my life. And, and so they'll think it's like a meditative uh, experience where you just get all calm and, and you know, passive. And it's, it's, a very, uh, it's a very activating, a very uh, consciousness-expanding experience. And, uh, you know, it, it 
really, I can't do it justice talking about it. The last 12 years, that's been the bane of my existence is how to communicate the experience that people are going to have. And really, uh, so my message is to try it. The best way is to try it and see what kind of power that we all have literally right underneath our noses. Well, I love that. And scientifically, right, the lungs produce more DMT than almost anywhere, right, when you breathe the right way. Right. There's, there's uh, some research that talks about essentially breathing like we do in this, this practice where it's a, a bit more uh, vigorous, connected breathing uh, will start to dump DMT into your system naturally. So we've got, we, are, we do have DMT, you know, as humans, it is part of our chemical makeup and that DMT is the, uh, what do you call it? The active ingredient in, in plant medicine that, that gives you the, the interesting experiences, but you can, you literally can produce those experiences on your own with no other external substance other than oxygen. Mm -hmm. It's so crazy. Chris, I couldn't be more honored to share some time and space with you, have you share the stories, and just get to know you better. Thank you so much for, for hopping on here with me. Right on. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Of course.